the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. The Great Barrington Reef. Okay, I jest. It's really the Great Barrington Declaration. Some of you may know what that is, and some of you may not. First, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Did you like the intro music to The Grid? If so, let me introduce you to J.D. Coleman, a young music composer. He excels in taking your concepts and converting them to a musical score best suited to you and your business. He's helped the Kingdom Patriot Group, as well as the Phenomenal Christianity Podcast. What do you need to know about JD? He's voted in the national election as soon as he turned 18. He's active in political discourse and is committed to the original founder's intent of the U.S. Constitution. Well, what does that mean to you? He's a patriot and he's skilled at composing music for you and your business. Contact him today at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Reach out to JD today to take care of your music needs. Be sure to tell him you are a kingdom patriot. The Great Barrington Declaration. As infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Coming from both the left and right and around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short-term and long-term public health. And the results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, all of that leading to greater excess mortality in years to come, with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. Keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage, with the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. Fortunately, our understanding of the virus is growing. We know that vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousandfold higher in the old and infirm than the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable and that this can be assisted by, but is not dependent upon, a vaccine. Our goal should therefore be to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. The most compassionate approach that balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally, to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at highest risk. We call this focus protection. Adopting measures to protect the vulnerable should be central aim of public health responses to COVID-19. By way of example, nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent testing of other staff and all visitors. Staff rotation should be minimized. Retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their home. When possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. A comprehensive and detailed list of measures, including approaches to multi-generational households, can be implemented and is well within the scope and capability of public health officials. Those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures, 
such as hand washing and stay home when sick, should be practiced by everyone to reduce the herd immunity threshold. Schools and universities should be open for in-person teaching. Extracurricular activities such as sports should be resumed. Young, low-risk adults should work normally rather than from home. Restaurants and other businesses should open. Arts, music, sport, and other cultural activities should resume. People who are more at risk may participate if they wish. While society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity. By the way, I just want you to know those were not my thoughts. I just read that word for word from the Great Barrington Declaration. Look in the transcript of this podcast and you'll see the website you can go to. It was signed at the American Institute for Economic Research in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, authored by three physicians and co-signed by 43 individuals worldwide. While many pulling the puppet strings would have you believe that medicine and science are 100% unified in the approach and policies that we see coming out of not just this administration, but the CDC. But I have to tell you, that is far from the truth. And I'm not talking that the people who have co-signed this declaration are intellectual lightweights either. In fact, here's, here's the three bios on the authors, and then we'll talk about the co-signers. Dr. Martin Kohldorf, professor of medicine at Harvard University, a biostatistician, and epidemiologist with expertise in detecting and monitoring infectious disease outbreaks and vaccine safety evaluations. Dr. Gupta, professor at Oxford University and epidemiologist with expertise in immunology, vaccine development, and mathematical modeling of infectious diseases. Dr. Bhattacharya, professor at Stanford University Medical School, a physician, epidemiologist, health economist, and public health policy expert focusing on infectious diseases and vulnerable populations. Like I said, these guys are not exactly intellectual lightweights. But what about the co-signers? Again, 43 co-signers signed on to this document. I'm not talking about the almost a million people who have signed the petition saying they want to be part of this. I'm talking about the other co-signers from nine countries, two from Canada, 11 from England, six from Germany, one from India, five from Israel, two from New Zealand, four from Scotland, two from Sweden, and 10 from the United States. So what about these folks who did sign on? Are they intellectual lightweights? Well, let's just go through. Because certainly they couldn't hold a candle to Dr. Fauci, the allergy and immunology expert, right? Yeah, wrong again. So these are some of the specialties of those 43 individuals across nine countries. At least one of those individuals has experience as professor of genetics, pediatrics, clinical ethics, vaccine development, hypertension research, mathematician, Education and Prevention, Hygiene and Environmental Medicine, Informatics, Biomedical Data Science, Malaria Research, Cellular Biology, Biophysicist, Structural Biology, Human Geography, Genomics, Medical Statistics, and Autism Provider, Virology, and Finance. That'd be healthcare finance. At least two are oncologists or have experience in statistical modeling and biomedical consultants. At least three are infectious disease experts have expertise in biostatistics. Four of those have expertise in microbiology, public health policy, research, and scientists. Five are experienced in immunology. Six have experience in medical psychology, psychiatry, and behavioral sciences. Ten are active physicians. Another 10 are professors or associate professors of medicine. And 11 are experts in epidemiology. Again, (laughs) these are not intellectual lightweights from all over the world. It's about time a group of physicians and experts unified to present common sense recommendations. So what do you think after hearing that? 
Does the Great Barrington Declaration deserve consideration? Does it deserve consideration given that 43 doctors, or I should say individuals, highly educated, some doctors, with massive amounts of expertise from nine countries in 33 different specialty areas, given that they've signed on to this, should we give it consideration? Do you think it holds merit in the COVID world that we live in, the current state right now? Oh, you know what? I just realized I forgot to read the very last line of the Great Barrington Declaration. Silly me. Here's what it says. On October 4, 2020, this declaration was authored and signed in Great Barrington. That's right. You might have guessed this anyway because of the reference to the vaccine development, but this was done almost 16 months ago. It wasn't written last week. It was written in the fall of 2020. Yet the principles in it are just as applicable today as they were then. Clearly, this group is pro-vaccine, and still they are against general, universal lockdown policies and applying a one-size-fits-all to a virus that does not show the same one-size-fits-all as it attacks individuals. These aren't the pundits on CNN or MSNBC or New York Times. These are disease experts, physicians, professors, scientists, and researchers that have dedicated their lives to this type of work. And here we are in 2022, and information we continue to learn through court cases, Freedom of Information Act requests, emails, and etc., is that what has and is going on behind the scenes is probably more dark and sinister than we would like to believe. That's not the subject of this podcast. I don't even have time to go into the latest news that it's likely that American grant funds were used, at least in part, to help out the Wuhan lab create the very COVID-19 virus that we deal with today. The reason we're even talking about this today and the Great Barrington Declaration is because states, particularly blue states, are doubling down on their lockdown policies. California, New York, they're requiring vaccine passports to enter certain establishments or even to buy or sell certain goods and the ability to even move around to and fro as an American is being limited. This just cannot be. There's a reason that these states are losing congressional seats as large numbers of families are retreating to Florida and Texas and other states that have a more pro-freedom outlook on our current state. However, I digress. I think it is imperative anytime we do a podcast to also look at the biblical perspective when possible. So what has the Lord called us to do? Well, certainly he's called us to seek him with all of our hearts. And the challenge is that leaders who are making public policy are often not like-minded in faith, and they are not seeking the Lord with all their hearts. In fact, did you know that Dr. Fauci just received Humanist of the Year Award? That's right, the American Humanist Association just awarded him in July with the Humanist of the Year Award for 2021, and I quote, Dr. Fauci embodies humanist values, including his steadfast commitment to science, his demonstrated empathy and compassion for others, and his overall direct approach. AHA Executive Director Roy Speckhart told Religious News Service in an interview, he has demonstrated how powerful science and human values can be in saving lives over the past year. If there ever was an appropriate humanist of the year, he is it. In 2003, Dr. Fauci said that I look upon myself as a humanist. I have faith in the goodness of mankind. And that's why we should be worried. Because the mankind he speaks of, the leaders in our government, those who pull the strings of policy and regulations, have shown to be ever void a belief in Christ and of Scripture. The very mankind that he's talking about does not line up with what we learn in Scripture. So what does the Bible say about the goodness of mankind? In Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
This is a major construct of the different viewpoints of mankind. You have a biblical worldview, and you have a worldly worldview. And that's one of the reasons we cannot rely on the goodness of mankind, because goodness is defined by the individual. Right and wrong have become so morally relative that it literally changes with every election of every new leader. That's why we need to be able to go to a central authority on what right and wrong is. That's why we need Christ. Now, I'm pro-freedom, pro-democracy. I'm not pro or anti-vaccine. But when the leaders are desperately void of Christ, it is impossible for Jeremiah 17:9 to not apply. Our hope is in Christ. We desperately need him because of our wicked hearts. So our faith has to be in Christ and not the government, not the Great Barrington Declaration either. Even though I believe in the Declaration, I subscribe to its philosophy, it's logical, it makes total sense, but my hope has to be found in Christ. So folks, we need Jesus more than ever. I'm not talking about we need Jesus to come and deliver us. That's a given. I'm talking that Fauci, our government, myself, all of us need Jesus because inherently we do not embody the goodness of mankind because that is a fallacy. The truth is we have wicked hearts. I'm also going to do something I've never done before in a podcast, and that is I hope that you would join me and humbly agree with me in prayer as I pray for our leaders, specifically President Biden, VP Harris, and Anthony Fauci. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are all desperately wicked because our hearts are inclined to selfishness, sinfulness, and self-preservation. It's not just true of our leaders, it's true of the human condition. Yet today, let us walk humbly as we lift up our leaders. We pray, Father, that you would move on the hearts of President Biden, Vice President Harris, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. We ask that you move on their hearts not to deliver us or produce an outcome that we desire, but we ask that you move on their hearts for two reasons. One, that they might become children of God and inherit your kingdom, that they would know your grace and your mercy, and that you would do a mighty work on their hearts all to your glory. And two, Father, we pray that you would give them the supernatural Christ-influenced wisdom to lead this nation in a way that honors and glorifies you, to lead in a way that points to Christ in everything, that they would become ambassadors, Lord, for you and your glory whether it's willingly or not. We pray this, Father, and we lift them up in the name of Jesus. I think that's something that we should think about doing more often because the Bible does call for us to pray for our leaders. Folks, that's all we have for today, but I am so glad that you chose to spend these few minutes with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, J.D. Coleman. To get music composed for your business, drop JD a note at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email address is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Be sure to tell him you heard about him from the grid. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman. And I am a Kingdom Patriot.